You're listening to ReachMD. This week's medical industry feature, Spotlight on Nephrology, Dosing Practices in SHPT, is sponsored by Amgen. Parsibiv, etalcalcetide, is indicated for the treatment of secondary hyperparathyroidism, HPT, in adult patients with chronic kidney disease, CKD, on hemodialysis. Sensipar, Sinicalcet, is indicated for the treatment of secondary HPT in adult patients with CKD on dialysis. Parsibiv has not been studied in adult patients with parathyroid carcinoma, primary hyperparathyroidism, or with CKD who are not on hemodialysis and is not recommended for use in these populations. Sensipar is not indicated for use in patients with CKD who are not on dialysis because of an increased risk of hypocalcemia. Stay tuned for the complete important safety information for Parsibiv and Sensipar at the end of this podcast. This program is intended for healthcare professionals only. Welcome to today's program. I'm your host, Dr. John Russell. We're going to talk with experts in the field of nephrology to discuss what has become a rather controversial subject, the practice of administering oral sinicalcet three times in the chair, which is inconsistent with the FDA-approved label. It's happening in dialysis clinics all over the country, but our guests today have some strong opinions about this practice. Joining me today is Dr. Abdul Abdelatif, a nephrologist from Houston, Texas, and Debbie Glidden, a nurse practitioner from Orlando, Florida. Let's start out by discussing this new practice. Dr. Abdelatif, do you have any thoughts on this? Where shall I begin? I have been a nephrologist for many years and have used oral sinicalcet many times over the years, but always dosing it based on the approved uh, use of daily dosing of the medication. Now, I do not write oral sinicalcet as often as I used to, but if I did, that's how I would write it. I have heard that some nephrologists start administering oral sinicalcet three times in a chair, which is clearly not consistent with the FDA-approved label. And how do you feel about the suggestion? In my personal opinion, I do not think this is a good idea. Again, nowhere in the prescribing information for oral sinicalcid does it say, go ahead, give it three times a week when the patient is in the dialysis center. The label clearly states it should be given once daily with food or shortly after a meal. I do not know about most practices, but it's not common for my patients to be eating a full meal in the waiting room or while they are receiving hemodialysis. Why do you see three times in the chair Sinicalcet to be problematic? There is a reason this drug is dosed once daily. It has to do with the science behind the drug. For instance, after oral administration of Sinicalcet, C-max is achieved in approximately two to six hours. Oral Sinicalcet has a half-life of approximately six hours. So I do not see how this medication can be prescribed other than once daily. I see. Dr. Abdelatif, though, is not the only nephrology professional pushing back against this new trend. Nurse practitioner Debbie Glidden also agrees that the only correct way to dose oral sinicalcet is once daily. Oh, I think it's absurd to do anything else. So why the push to this regimen? I have no idea. As Dr. Abdelatif told you earlier, Oral sinicalcet three times in the chair is not consistent with the FDA-approved label for the drug. Given the half-life of oral sinicalcet, 
and the fact that steady state is achieved within seven days, it's my opinion that once daily dosing of oral Sinicalcet per label is the only way I feel comfortable giving it. You make a strong argument. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to this week's medical industry feature sponsored by Amgen. I'm your host, Dr. John Russell. We're talking about the controversy surrounding giving oral Sinicalcet three times in the chair, a practice that is not consistent with the FDA-approved label. We'll be back in just a moment. Here's some additional important safety information for Parsibiv and Sensapar. Parsibiv is contraindicated in patients with known hypersensitivity to etalcalcetide or any of its excipients. Hypersensitivity reactions, including face edema and anaphylactic reaction, have occurred. Sensapar treatment initiation is contraindicated if serum calcium is less than the lower limit of the normal range, 8.4 milligrams per deciliter. And now, back to the program. Now, back to the topic at hand. Dr. Abdelatif, if oral sinicalcet three times in the chair is wrong, what would you recommend? If controlling administration in the chair is the goal, there is a logical solution, Parsibiv. I use Parsibiv for my patients with secondary hyperparathyroidism. I can control administration and deliver Parsibiv three times in the chair and know my patients are getting the medication I prescribe to them. More important, I have had good results using Parsibiv to treat my appropriate patients with secondary hyperparathyroidism even with some patients for whom I could not generate good results in the past. Interesting. In speaking with Ms. Glidden, personal preference is far from the only reason to consider Parsibiv. I like being able to control administration. My patients come in three times a week for hemodialysis, and we can give them Parsibiv when they're here at the clinic. It just makes sense to me. That's how it was tested and how it was approved. So ultimately... What's going to dictate your treatment decision for SHPT? At the end of the day, prescribers have to do what they feel is best for their patients. I'm responsible for choosing the treatment that I feel is right for them. And for me, I like that Parsibiv allows me to truly control administration in an approved fashion to help manage my patient's secondary hyperparathyroidism. Thanks for sharing that. Dr. Abdelatif, you get the last word. What have you done when faced with the suggestion to try Sinecalcet three times in the chair, which, as we've stated repeatedly, is not consistent with the FDA-approved label? And how would you advise a colleague faced with a similar situation? When it's happened to me and I felt uncomfortable with the idea, I have followed the proper channels to push back and discuss alternatives. Again, if the goal is to control administration in the clinic, we have a way to do that, and it's called Parsibiv. I would tell any prescriber that if they are faced with such situation, raise your hand, take control. It's up to you to make the decision you feel is best for your patients. We should rely on our professional opinion on what is right for any particular patient. We owe that to our patients. Well, this has been a very enlightening discussion. I want to thank Dr. Abdelatif and Ms. Glidden for their time and opinions regarding this subject. Definitely a lot to think about when it comes to the appropriate dosing of calcimimetics. We've spoken a lot about Parsibiv. Come back for our next episode when we'll discuss the most important topic, its impact on patients. Thanks for listening. 
And now, here's the complete important safety information for Parsibiv and Sensipar. Contraindications. Parsibiv, etalcalcetide, is contraindicated in patients with known hypersensitivity to etalcalcetide or any of its excipients. Hypersensitivity reactions, including face edema and anaphylactic reaction, have occurred. Sensipar, Sinicalcet, treatment initiation is contraindicated if serum calcium is less than the lower limit of the normal range, 8.4 mg per deciliter. Hypocalcemia. Parsibiv and Sensipar lower serum calcium and can lead to hypocalcemia, sometimes severe. Life-threatening events and fatal outcomes associated with hypocalcemia have been reported in patients treated with Sensipar, including pediatric patients. The safety and effectiveness of Sensipar have not been established in pediatric patients. Significant lowering of serum calcium can cause QT interval prolongation and ventricular arrhythmia. Cases of QT prolongation and ventricular arrhythmia have been reported in patients treated with Sensipar. Patients with conditions that predispose to QT interval prolongation and ventricular arrhythmia may be at increased risk for QT interval prolongation and ventricular arrhythmias if they develop hypocalcemia due to Parsibiv or Sensipar. Closely monitor corrected serum calcium and QT interval in patients at risk on Parsibiv or Sensipar. Significant reductions in corrected serum calcium may lower the threshold for seizures. Patients with a history of seizure disorder may be at increased risk for seizures if they develop hypocalcemia due to Parsibiv or Sensipar. Monitor corrected serum calcium in patients with seizure disorders on Parsibiv or Sensipar. Concurrent administration of Parsibiv or Sensipar with calcium-lowering drugs including other calcimimetics could result in severe, life-threatening hypocalcemia. Parsibiv and Sensipar should not be given together. Patients switching from Sensipar to Parsibiv should discontinue Sensipar for at least seven days prior to initiating Parsibiv. Closely monitor corrected serum calcium in patients receiving Parsibiv or Sensipar and concomitant therapies known to lower serum calcium. Measure corrected serum calcium prior to initiation of Parsibiv. Do not initiate in patients if the corrected serum calcium is less than the lower limit of normal. Monitor corrected serum calcium within one week after initiation or dose adjustment and every four weeks during treatment with Parsibiv. Measure PTH four weeks after initiation or dose adjustment of Parsibiv. Once the maintenance dose has been established, measure PTH per clinical practice. Serum calcium and serum phosphorus should be measured within one week and PTH should be measured one to four weeks after initiation or dose adjustment of Sensipar. Once the maintenance dose has been established, serum calcium and serum phosphorus should be measured approximately monthly and PTH every one to three months. Hypotension, worsening heart failure, and or arrhythmias. In Parsibiv clinical studies, cases of hypotension, congestive heart failure, and decreased myocardial performance have been reported. Closely monitor patients treated with Parsibiv for worsening signs and symptoms of heart failure. In Sensipar post-marketing use, isolated, idiosyncratic cases of hypotension, worsening heart failure, and or arrhythmia were reported in patients with impaired cardiac function. The causal relationship to Sensipar therapy could not be completely excluded and may be mediated by reductions in serum calcium levels. Upper gastrointestinal bleeding. 
Cases of gastrointestinal, GI, bleeding, mostly upper GI bleeding, have occurred in patients using calcium emetics, including Sensipar, from post-marketing and clinical trial sources. In clinical studies, two patients treated with Parsibiv in 1,253 patient years of exposure had upper GI bleeding at the time of death. There were too few cases to determine whether these cases were related to Parsibiv. The exact cause of GI bleeding in these patients is unknown. Patients with risk factors for upper GI bleeding, such as known gastritis, esophagitis, ulcers, or severe vomiting may be at increased risk for GI bleeding with Parsibiv or Sensipar. Monitor patients for worsening of common Parsibiv or Sensipar GI adverse reactions and for signs and symptoms of GI bleeding and ulcerations during Parsibiv or Sensipar therapy. Adynamic bone. Adynamic bone may develop if PTH levels are chronically suppressed. Adverse reactions. In clinical trials of patients with secondary HPT comparing Parsiviv to placebo, the most common adverse reactions were blood calcium decreased, 64% versus 10%, muscle spasms, 12% versus 7%, diarrhea, 11% versus 9%, nausea, 11% versus 6%, vomiting, 9% versus 5%, headache, 8% versus 6%, hypocalcemia, 7% versus 0.2%, and paresthesia, 6% versus 1%. In clinical trials of patients with secondary HPT comparing Sensipar to placebo, the most commonly reported side effects were nausea, 31% versus 19%, vomiting, 27% versus 15%, and diarrhea, 21% versus 20%. Please visit ParsibivHCP.com and SensiparHCP.com for the Parsibiv and Sensipar full prescribing information. This medical industry feature was sponsored by Amgen. To learn more about Amgen, please visit Amgen.com. And if you missed any part of this discussion, please visit ReachMD.com slash This is ReachMD. Be part of the knowledge.